I want to talk about one early failure in the the land of AI, okay. AI land, and one potential early success. It's still, you know, too early to call, yeah, but uh, but right. there's some some very positive signs okay. that I want to talk about. Okay. All right, and uh, more importantly, what we can all learn from them. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dotcoms and Hot Moms, the podcast where entrepreneurs discover their next startup idea. Yes, we have a tagline, sounds like. (laughs) We want people to know why the fuck they're listening to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, the podcast podcasts evolve over time, Mm -hmm. and that's always sort of been what, what we're doing. We just didn't really say it. Yes. So I think by saying it out loud, it makes it official. And so that's what we're doing. All right. So if this is your first time joining us, uh, we talk about startup stories, technology, and business trends on this show. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to share great content and insight. That's where we come in. Uh, But also, we like to make it entertaining. Yes, we do. For sure. (laughs) As you can tell. I'm so entertaining (laughs) right now. I like to say we're bringing sexy back to startups. Oh, yes. So sexy. (laughs) (laughs) So if this sounds like your kind of thing, uh, whether it's your first time or your 20th time, I think this is our 20th episode. Yes. Thank you. Hit the subscribe button, join in and follow along. Absolutely. Yes. And let's bring sexy back to tech. (laughs) The startups. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) To everything. To everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sexy We're just bringing sexy back. So speaking of sexy, uh, you may notice May's voice sounds a little different today. <laughs> yeah. Again, if this is your first time listening, this is not what I normally sound like. I don't always have like voice fry and like an incredible like smoker's voice. I just came back from a week long work trip. Um, Extravaganza. Yeah, where my coworkers work hard yet also play hard. So I'm I'm kind of on recovery from that. But thank you for still tuning in, even though I... Sound like your grandmother. <laughs> but this is what we're all about uh, on dot coms and hot moms. Like we we yeah. don't take a week off. It's going to no. take a, more than a little cold. Yes. To keep us out. Exactly. I love doing this with you. Oh. And I'm sure everyone also loves listening. So we're not going <laughs> to ever stop. They wouldn't be here, right? Exactly. And <laughs> if you hear some weird moaning today. Um, our dog is like I cleaned his ears, but he is shaking them like crazy, and he insists on laying right next to us yeah. uh, while we do this podcast. So he is uh, shaking and moaning um, <laughs> and just annoying the hell out of us right now. No. So I think I mean honestly, I think he wants to be close to us. I missed him, so he probably missed me and wants to be here. I'm sure that's it. Moaning. So all right, so let's get into it. We talked in the first episode of season two about, uh, actually, you talked about generative AI. I did. I'm so smart. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) And um, I mentioned how I thought 2024 would be the year that we start to learn which AI startups um, are going to make it, like which ones have some meat on them Mm -hmm. and like will be successful in developing something that where like there's a big enough market mm-hmm. and uh, we'll start to find out which ones won't and, yeah. and you know, which ones will fail. Yeah. Make it or break it. <laughs> That's what this segment will be called. <laughs> so uh, it's happened faster than I expected. I have uh, one example in each camp okay. that I want to talk about today. Okay. And they both came out within the last couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Sucks for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the one it sucks for is the one I'm going to start with. Okay. So... Uh, I want to talk about one early failure um, in the the land of AI, okay. AI land, and one potential early success. It's still, you know, too early to call, yeah, but uh, but right. there's some some very positive signs okay. that I want to talk about. Okay. All right, and uh, more importantly, what we can all learn from them. Yes, I love learning. <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> I love podcast. <laughs> All right, May. So do you remember in season one, I think it was episode number eight when we talked about Instagram. Yeah. When I mentioned to you that Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger uh, were working on a new project called Artifact. Yes. Yes, I, I do. Only because you wouldn't really go into what it was. And I tried to guess 
what artifact was. Yeah, you took a guess. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a bad <laughs> guess. It was way off of what it actually was. For it was sure kind it of. An, I don't remember what it was, but it was it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so artifact is or was an AI news app. Okay. I, um, that is. I do not think that's what I guessed. No, <laughs> it wasn't close. Okay. Uh, so news came out mm-hmm. that it is shutting down um, just a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And um, they've only been live for a year. So they okay. launched in January 2023. Oh, wow. Did they post that in Artifact? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> it's not, probably. It's not where I saw it. Um, so it, it sounds like you haven't used it before. No. Okay. No, I don't know. Okay. Is. So I've used it. Um, oh. I've, I've actually used it for the last few months. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. So the team, before they launched in early 2023, they spent a little over a year building it out mm-hmm. and it was self-funded by the founders. So, uh, Kevin and Mike, mm-hmm. you know, made a lot of money selling Instagram mm-hmm. to Facebook. And so they invested, um, what I've heard is in this single what, what they said was in the single digit millions. I think it's around $5 million okay. into the company. Yeah. Jump okay. Change. <laughs> Jump change for them. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So their differentiator is that they use AI to curate news articles for their users. Okay. All right. So uh, their core functionality, um, and this is a explanation like from the internet, mm-hmm. is Artifact is a news aggregator that uses machine learning to make personalized recommendations based on topics, news sources, and authors that the reader is interested in. Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. So how it works, um, and uh, you know, I'm remembering back a few months because I this is when I started is you you know after you download the app, it asks you to choose some topics that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows you a bunch of articles. Um, I think you, you know, you you read the ones that you're interested in. You mm-hmm. click on the ones that you're interested in. Over time, mm-hmm. um, it mm-hmm. sort of gets an idea of who you are and mm-hmm. what you're into, and starts showing you more content like that using AI. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So. Um, there's other apps that do that um, yeah. without, you know, without using AI. I was just going to say, isn't that kind of like how people thought that like maybe a media could be an echo chamber for people because they only like read, um, you know, media that pertains to like their typically like political affiliation and their political views. And so that that was what was kind of like wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think that that can definitely be a um, criticism mm-hmm. of apps like Artifact. Mm-hmm. Um, I I typically read a lot about technology and startups. And, like that's the, it's it's whatever you want to see on the app. So like that's okay. that's kind of what I wanted to use it for, okay. um, just to try it out and see yeah. like what kind of articles it would present to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it wasn't very polarizing stuff for me, but I'm sure for some people, especially if you wanted to, you know, read all about politics on it, you're probably going to see a lot of yeah. the politics that you want to hear. Right. And so, and how is this different or like what makes this, what made this a better idea than the targeted articles that pop up in your, you know, your Facebook news feed? Yeah. So you're getting ahead of yourself a I'm little sorry. bit. So, uh, but that's a very good question. Let's, yeah. let's table it. Okay. Uh, and yeah. we'll come back. Yeah. I call it the parking lot. Okay. <laughs> you put it in the parking lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You have a poster board, like a, a whiteboard or <laughs> yeah, something. Stickies. Okay. So, um, some of the other features of Artifact. So in addition to reading articles, mm-hmm. uh, the app offers the ability to like articles, mm-hmm. um, leave comments or listen to an audio version of articles read by AI-generated voices. Oh. Included simulated voices of people like Snoop Dogg. Okay, I love this. Or Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> okay, for that, example. That in and of itself just sold me on <laughs> okay. it. Okay. <laughs> well, you should have been a user earlier because you're too late. Darn it. Uh, AI is also used... Now, this is, I think, uh, a slightly more useful use case, even though you love that one. Uh, <laughs> AI is also used to rewrite clickbaity headlines oh, uh, so if users uh, flag headlines as like clickbait yeah. for certain articles they use ai to rewrite it based on reading the article and giving it a title that actually makes sense okay, okay. so like um if a if a headline was like the the biggest thing that the, the worst thing you're doing at the gym and how to fix it or something like yeah. that and they might rewrite it as like the importance of 
having and sticking to a workout plan or, yeah. you know, something like that, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. actually what the article is about. Right, right, right. And then you can decide, do I want to read this or not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I like that too. Yeah, so that's a that's a feature. Um, they They realized, you know, midway, somewhere in the last year that like, they they didn't have the traction that they wanted, right? So they they tried to they tried to change some things. They tried to make it more into like a social network, give it more social like features. Interesting, kind of like a Twitter or a Threads. Users could like post links, yeah, and add say. like user generated content to okay. artifact, yeah, um, images and text, and um, then they could be commented on by other users. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So like, I mean, you sound kind of into these features that they um, added. Yeah, like read to me, Snoop. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, I, I mean, I love listening to audiobooks. Um and the voices that like read the audiobooks are pretty awesome and I think I would love to get my news read to me as well in an interesting way. So, I really like that piece of it. So, I agree. I mean, I think they sound kind of cool, right? Like they sound like cool features, mm-hmm. like uh just the idea of Snoop reading yeah. articles to you or i mean it's not really snoop it's a voice trained to sound, sound like it's ai <laughs> snoop right okay uh so i mean i'm guessing he gets some sort of royalties or something from yeah. from this but uh, i don't actually know how that works uh that seems kind of like a like a like a gimmick though right like um maybe like a launch strategy like you know like to gain some hype mm-hmm. right like they've got gwyneth paltrow and snoop reading articles like that sounds cool but like i don't know that i'd want snoop to read all of my news um, you know, it'd be kind of weird also. Yeah, I guess. Uh, the clickbaity headlines thing, that's kind of cool. Like I do, you do sometimes waste time, like going into articles to find out what they're talking about and then realizing like, it's not interesting at all. Yeah. They just wanted you in there so you could click on their ads. Right. But like, to me, it seems like some of those other features, especially like trying to make it social, that sort of thing is like adding features for the sake of adding features, right? Like mm. it's it's not the core thing, which is like we're going to make a product that is better at giving you the news that right. you're going to be interested in and we're going to use AI to do it. Right, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not features that solve a like a fundamental problem that users are experiencing that stops them from like fully utilizing that like, app. Yeah, no, I agree. So it, it's almost like somebody said like, you know, what would be cool or like, you know how we could get users onto the app mm-hmm. is like, you know, with these sort of marketing strategies, they're more like marketing things. Yeah, um, they definitely or are. Or things that like, you know, this is kind of a problem that also a problem that like people have mm-hmm. um, about the clickbaity headlines. That's sort of like, nobody likes that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But I like to think about it like this. So like, if they aren't going to use your AI news app because of its core functionality, will any of these other things cause them to want to use it long term? Right. So like, mm-hmm. will listening to Snoop Dogg make me a an, an, an avid user of your of your app? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, the the basic necessity of having a voice read an article to you in an engaging way so not just like a robot reading it sure. is what appealed to me it's not necessarily snoop yeah that's cool but because i know that like i don't always have time to just like sit down and read mm-hmm. and so i want to get my news um i was gonna say orally but that's not right audibly yeah 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 and i, I think you know maybe that was a um an experiment they wanted to try i think one of the problems with it is People like to skim their news oh, and you true. can't really skim when you're listening. For sure. Yep. Yep, so, yep. yep. So, you know, I think there were some problems there, but like I was thinking about this and I was sort of contrasting it to the Instagram story. Mm. So Instagram was initially intended mm. to be an app that made it simple to share photos with the world, right. right? With your friends and with the world. Yeah. And at the suggestion of Kevin's girlfriend, they added filters. Right. Because remember she said, she wouldn't want to use it and share her own filters because, or her own photos because she didn't think they looked very good. Yep, yep. And one of their friends, you know, made his pictures look great because he had this other photo sharing app or uh, photo filtering app that he used. Right. And that's a feature that adds value. And that's a feature that makes people more likely to use your app in the way that you intend it to. Yeah. Because I see. 
because you know they want to share pictures that look good right right um yeah. and now videos that look good right, right? filters are a, a i mean they're it's a simple concept but it's yeah. a huge it makes a huge difference yeah it really does and now that instagram's added even more filters like they're just they are capitalizing on what made them successful to begin with and i think that's a good smart business move too yeah so i mentioned that i've been a user of artifact i've yeah. used it i don't know i've probably used it for the past six months or so um but it hasn't formed into a habit for me mm-hmm. um and the reason that i know that and the reason that i kind of knew that they were in trouble or sort of ha- had this like suspicion that they were in trouble is they have this kind of gimmicky feature that tells you um like your streak is about to end open the artifact oh, app interesting so it's like mm. you've got a three-day streak going open uh, you're about to lose it open the artifact app to keep it going mm. and it's like you shouldn't need to tell somebody to use your app because of a streak because like they're going to miss out on a streak like what does yeah. a streak matter to me if i've used your app for the last four days i'm not i'm not getting anything you know like having that streak keep going doesn't do me any good as a as a as a, as the end user Right. Like you need to get people coming back to your app because they want to be coming back to your app or because, I mean, if you were giving me notifications, like activity notifications, yeah. and that got me back right. into your app, right? That that's great. Like right. you're, you're, you're telling me, you know, something's happening in the world that I care about yeah. and that, that brings me back into your app. That should have been it. But don't, but don't tell me like my streak's about to end. That just tells me you, you haven't been able to enforce the habit. And you're, you're trying anything. You're sort of like grasping at straws to try and like make it happen. Right. No, that's so true. I I mean, the the whole concept of like keeping a streak alive is very, um, like photo driven or like, cause they have that in Snapchat. Yeah. And it's like a gamify, like a gamification thing. Yeah. I mean, the only other like place that that would work are workout apps because you have, you know, it's mostly for people who've made resolutions to like work yeah, out for every sure. day or something or a meal tracking app something where you want to habitually be doing things now there are people who make resolutions to be more knowledgeable in the news which i feel like a notification like that about streaks would be helpful but just putting out a blatant notification about your streak you know ending um when that's not your actual end game is um, it doesn't feel individualized or special. Yeah. And so if they had different push notifications, you know, based on maybe that was part of the questionnaire when you set up, you know, what you want to get out of this app and just with any app, really, like even if there is a way to see like, why are you using this app? What do you want to get out of it? And then curate different push notifications for that. I think that might even just like help drive traffic back to using any app, not just this one. Yeah. So it was clear to me, like they didn't have a sticky product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were trying to figure it out, and in the end, they they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's sort of the, the the crazy thing about startups to me is like you've got these two guys, Kevin and Mike, right? They were much better founders when they founded uh, Artifact than they were when they founded Instagram. Yeah, S- way more experienced founders. They were better programmers, better at hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a pretty small team. I think they only had like eight people oh, on the wow. team mm-hmm. um, and they failed. Yeah. Right. Like they, yeah. they, they couldn't identify beforehand that the market they were entering was not going to be big enough right. or that they weren't going to attract enough users. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody has a crystal ball, even if you've done this before. Right. Um, they added features that were not likely to fundamentally change user behavior mm-hmm. in the product mm-hmm. um, in like an interesting or insightful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I don't fault them for that. Like that's, that happens. Uh, it's very easy to do. And, you know, you don't, you often don't know that beforehand. Right. Like if it, if some, if one of those things did work, you know, then you could make a completely different case. Right. Uh, it's easy for us to say in hindsight that yeah. like they were, you know, not the best ideas. Yeah. But it, it's a, it's a common trap that founders fall into. Even some of the best founders is it just needs this one more feature, yeah. right? Like if right. I just build this one more feature, that's right. going to make things click. That'll make it work for our users. That'll bring in, uh, you know, that'll create the snowball effect that mm-hmm. we need. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like you, uh, uh, the original concept of a new startup or a new app or something has a specific demographic in mind. But when they keep adding these other features, 
that maybe were successful for other apps or, you know, other companies, it's not necessarily targeted for the de- the original yeah. demographic. It has a success story. Like, you know, you're looking at, oh, the success rate of, you know, doing something this way is great, but you also have to keep in mind about the original demographic that you're targeting. Yeah, it's like it, it, it sort of creates confusion about what you are. Like if yeah. I try to explain what Artifact is now, I'd be like, well, it's an AI news curation app, but it also lets, you know, it also has like AI voice mm-hmm. reading by like Snoop Dogg <laughs> and it lets you like and comment on articles and it lets you, you know, it's like yeah, and, and, yeah, and. Right, right. But like, you know, those things are just different. It, it's not like it, like the the example we gave with Instagram, it's still a photo sharing app mm-hmm. uh, and it lets you filter, but that mm-hmm. helps your photos look better. Right. Like that, you know, it's sort of more cohesive. Right. It, it doesn't make it confusing yeah. about right. why you would use it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this all gets back to the the fact that building a successful startup is a very difficult thing to do. Yes. Right. Um, you know, these people had, they're worth billions of dollars, right? Collectively. Right. But that's, you know, that's not an, and, and they've done this before, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that's not enough, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you can be skilled at building and, you know, you can prove that you've done it before. Mm-hmm. You need the timing to be right for your product. You have to have the right idea, you know, and, and be able to iter- iterate on it um, when things aren't working out correctly. And you need a lot of luck. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Do you know what I think the best decision that the artifact founders made was like the the best thing that the artifact founders did for this project clothes yeah oh exactly I'm totally kidding but <laughs> no like they shut it down very fast right. okay i see where you're going yes yeah so they realized it wasn't working they put out a statement they said um you know we could have kept this thing going but yeah. you know we realized the market's not big enough we couldn't attract enough users right um that is really hard to do absolutely and it doesn't happen often enough they could have let this drag on for a couple more years they could have Mm -hmm. put more of their own money into it they probably could have raised i mean they definitely could have raised vc funding because vcs are are throwing yeah both like their names Mm -hmm. like their name recognition what they've done before but also it's an ai startup right like yeah that's it's not easy to raise vc funding right now not as easy as it has been Mm -hmm. in the past but like for ai Mm -hmm. uh, you know you can do it yeah um right and they didn't do that, right? Like they realized that this this isn't working. Their time is better is going to be better spent on something different, right? Yeah, and that is true, though. That that's a, a very like admirable thing for them to do because you see with a lot of um, startup founders, just in general, like their person, like if you were to probably like give them personality assessments, I bet a lot of them have really big egos that seeing. you know, shutting down a project or seeing something, you know, fail is a huge bruise to their ego. So they will hold on to it until, you know, it dies not in their control. Yeah. So, yeah, especially, I mean, if they've had a big success in the past, um, it, you know, it's easy to, to feel like, well, you know, I don't want that. I don't want to seem like a one trick pony, right? Like I don't want, but you have to know you, you have, plenty of other opportunities right like in their situation the best thing that they could do was either to completely pivot right and like you know if they thought you know we we have the right team to do something else we're just gonna completely pivot the company um or shut it down and start something completely different right and i think that's what they're gonna do they're still excited about building things Mm -hmm. they'll probably find something else they're excited about ai Mm -hmm. and so they'll you know, likely find a different idea mm. and go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish them the best. Yeah. Same here. So, you know, we covered the failure. Mm-hmm. Um, now I want to talk about a cool story mm-hmm. that AI has made possible in the field of uh, medicine and antibiotics specifically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, in the last episode, I was kind of talking about, you know, trends that I see are, are going to be successful in 2024 and like health and wellness and medicine advancements were definitely one of them. Yeah, definitely. So you uh, you mentioned on one of 
uh, maybe a couple episodes that you were in nursing. Um, oh, yes. You were a nursing major when you started college. Yes. Short um, stint, but yes. Yeah. And, you know, just by living in this world, you probably know what MRSA is, right? Yes. Yeah. So MRSA stands for methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. Staph infection. I might have aureus. I'm not sure how to say that last word. Uh, yeah, it's a type of staph infection. Yeah. Um, it's a drug-resistant bacteria that infects over 80,000 Amer- just Americans mm. um, each year and kills over 10,000 of them. No, so scary. In the U.S. alone. So um, it's estimated that 1.2 million people died in 2019 from drug-resistant bacterias in general around the world. That's so crazy. I, I remember the first time I learned what MRSA was. It was in high school and because there was like this big like outbreak of like MRSA cases because people weren't disinfecting the wrestling mats. Oh, yeah. And it made me so like OCD about like any yoga mat, wrestling mat, like exercise equipment um, that I ever touched to disinfect it. I know that it, you can get it anywhere, but. Well, I wish more people would uh, yeah. <laughs> have that reaction. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, fairly common for hospitals to deal with it as well. True, right. Um, but what's interesting is that most antibiotics that we are using clinically today mm-hmm. were developed or discovered in the 1960s. Wow. So hardly any have been developed over the last 60 years. Wow. And bacteria just keeps developing. Right, keeps uh, morphing, mm-hmm. evolving. Yeah, um, trying to take over the world. <laughs> so using AI, mm-hmm. a group of MIT scientists and researchers were able to train a very specialized LLM or large language model to try and make predictions about whether certain new chemicals might have antibacterial activity. That's awesome. So I listened to uh, one of these scientists describe it and they said, you know, without AI, it's sort of like finding a needle in a haystack. Right. It's like there are millions and millions of possible com- combinations of these compounds yeah. to test through. Yeah. And humans cannot possibly do that in many, many, many lifetimes. Right. 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 Like to, to go through all of that. So what they did is they took this training data set that they generated by testing about 39,000 compounds mm-hmm. for antibiotic activity against MRSA. Mm-hmm. And then they fed the data that they came up with plus information on like the chemical structures of the compounds into this LLM, this large language model, with the goal being to try and identify patterns mm. and promising compounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing is, are you familiar with the board game Go? Have you ever heard of it, Go? Um it's 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 common oh. in like tech circles, but it's a board game. No, I was thinking sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Go is the, like the most complex board game that there is. There oh. are thought to be vastly more possible positions in the board game. Yeah, this is so not in mind. Then there are <laughs> atoms in the entire universe. Why is this fun? No, it's it. I mean, I don't know. Some people like this kind of stuff, but <laughs> okay, okay. so they use the same deep learning um, model that was used to wow. to beat the best human player in Go. Go. Yeah. It's called AlphaGo. Oh my gosh! So they used it to identify these compounds, uh-huh. you know, that might have uh, positive results and antibiotic activity against MRSA, uh-huh. and then they went out and they bought close to 300 compounds that, you know, the AI said, you know, might have a good shot, right? That they had predicted would have high antibiotic activity. Mm -hmm. And one other very important criteria is that they would also have low toxicity to humans. Mm, Yeah, that's that's clutch. Yeah, it's clutch. You don't want to give us anything. (laughs) You you know, like bleach could Mm -hmm. maybe kill some bacteria. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and the other criteria is that they were structurally distinct from current antibiotics. Mm, right? yeah. like they didn't want to reinvent the wheel right, right, and right. create something that wasn't going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had to test it. Yeah. So that, you know, they got these 300 or so compounds and they created them. And what do you think they used to test on? Oh, I just immediately assumed rats. <laughs> yeah, mice, rats, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's always those, the mice. Poor mice. Those poor little mice. <laughs> So the first test, not so bad. They tested by scraping off some skin 
from the mice and applying a uh, cream to it with mm-hmm. the antibiotic on it. So like a, um, you know, a like skin a infection. Cream. Yeah, topical yeah. cream. Um, the second was more systemic. They actually infected the mice mm-hmm. with the MRSA mm-hmm. and then they tested the antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And they found a candidate that proved very effective at treating MRSA in both experiments. Oh, oh okay. Okay, so with the mice. Yeah. Which is really, really exciting, right? Yeah, like we've right. we've had scientists and researchers at this for 60 plus years yeah. and we haven't had, you know, hardly any advancements in this field. Right. And, you know, they started working on this a year ago mm-hmm. with this AI and, you know, we're already at this point. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and the reason that I said early on that this is, you know, a promising development is it still needs to go through trials, right? right. Like, um, it still needs to go through clinical trials, human clinical trials. Um, and AI can't really help with that part right now, right? Like can't speed that part up. We still need to do, especially with, re- you know, regulations. And right. Like there's, there's rules and regulations on how drugs have to get to market, yeah, right? Antibiotics right. and that sort of stuff too. Um, where AI is very helpful is identifying these compounds that might be useful in drug discovery. And doing it a lot faster than right. humans can. Yeah. So like the test and the trials and all that, it's still going to take time. But like getting to the point of like what to test really is sped up, and which is awesome. Yeah. So another key piece of this study is now researchers are able to, there. there's some transparency into why the AI made the decisions that it did mm-hmm. and chose the compounds that it did. Okay. So they can see into that and pull out that information. And now they can use that in their own research yeah. as well. It's not like it just said, here, try right. these 300. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, like yeah. they can actually see what it was that made the the AI choose those, yeah. uh, which can be really useful to them. Yeah, which is what everyone keeps saying is like the benefit of AI. It doesn't just like take over what people are doing. It complements what people are able to do, which I think is like very important to always remember when you're thinking of like how to utilize AI or what AI can eventually become in our world. Yeah. I mean, and and this is one of the things that I think AI is going to be really helpful with. And this is one of the things that's really exciting to me. These are the areas where like the things that humans are very bad at or we haven't been successful at, right? Or, Or slow at, not necessarily bad. I mean, Slow is bad when it comes, you know, when you need to save lives and, okay, you know, it sure. takes you decades, right? Yeah. And you're not doing it. Yeah, it's just not <laughs> a doing positive a good word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, we should admit that humans are, are bad at certain yeah, things. Yeah, there's areas right? of opportunity. <laughs> you hate saying that people are bad at anything. Um, but AI will be instrumental in sure. discovering cures for many diseases where, you know, that have plagued humans but and also animals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm cancer you know just thinking like ms um als yeah yeah. heart disease which we talked about on a previous episode absolutely there's a lot of things like just thinking about ideas Mm -hmm. right like that that i don't know if people are are you know how things are how ai is being used for this yet but just thinking of areas where humans where i know that there have been um areas of opportunity Mm -hmm. humans could could do a better job at yeah um thinking you know staying with medicine like Every year, researchers and scientists have to predict which flu variants, which influenza variants to to include in the flu shot, right? And they look at data from uh, the Southern Hemisphere. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, they look at, you know, different factors and then they, you know, make a guess and they throw a few different types of the flu in there into the vaccine. The flu vaccine is like pretty much all a a guess. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, you end up reading afterwards it's like well you know they were they did a pretty good job this year you know maybe it had like 60 percent 70 percent uh efficacy or you know they really missed the the board on this one like it was only 10 percent effective (laughs) yeah well i mean it just happens like maybe but maybe ai will be you know helpful about that yeah. yeah i mean some other areas uh i'm thinking of where humans uh you know speaking of predictions where humans are just not great right at making predictions one is weather oh right yep like yep, yep, yep. 
oh my gosh, hurricanes, is it going to hit us or not? Yeah. Where's that, where's that hurricane going to go? Yeah. Or, I mean, even if it's going to rain, like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I swear it says 0% chance of rain and it is raining outside. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, I see it the other way. It's always like, oh no, this like event's going to happen or this wedding. And it says it's going to rain. And like, you always have like a really like scared bride or scared client <laughs> or something. And then it ends up not raining. And then you're like, oh, it's great. But then, yeah, I would, I would have loved to not have that, like, you know, anxiety attack beforehand. Yeah. Another possible use for AI is uh, where humans are very bad and it's been demonstrated over the last couple of years is economic outlook or predicting mm. recessions, mm. right? Like, I don't know how many articles I read about big investment banks predicting, you know, oh, 90% chance of recession in 2023, early 2024. Um, now things are looking brighter you know, and they change course and it's, well, no, uh, now, you know, uh, we're going to have a soft landing. Um, there's not going to be a recession. And it's like, well, how many, like, do we believe you this time? Because right. we, we, we believed you last time. And yeah. <laughs> we, totally get that. Like forecasting that is like, you know, really hard to land. Oh yeah, for sure. However, the difference between the former two that you discussed and this one is that like, this is a lot more um, like behavioral driven, like behavioral based driven. Whereas the other two are very much like strict science. Yeah, no, this is different, yeah. but I, you know, I think that AI could be useful here. You think for yeah. like behavior? Because, okay. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it will look at past, um, past recessions, you yeah. know, what the economic activity was like in those past recessions, what the Fed did, what the housing market was yeah. like, you know, all this stuff can look, we can learn from the past. Yeah. Um, who knows? You know, it may, we may try it out and realize, no, AI can't really help us there. All right. Lastly, though, okay. last thing. Yeah. Elections. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Uh, if the last couple of election cycles have taught us anything, it's that. People our, are mean. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> But uh, uh, regarding predicting the outcome mm -hmm. of elections, mm -hmm. we are mm -hmm. very, very bad at it, especially when our electorate yeah. is so close. Yeah, um, so true. Polling, yeah. right? Yeah. Po polling has been really, really bad. True. Uh, predicting, you know, the outcome, also the uh, turnout, predicting yeah. turnout, who, who's going to show up to vote. Um, you know, we'll see if AI is better. At, I'm sure AI is being used in this election cycle. Um, if it's not, it's just a missed opportunity. Also, where to spend money, right? Where to spend ad money. Um, AI should be able to help us with with that because it's sometimes it's just a guess. You know, mm -hmm. you're just throwing they, yeah. these candidates raise millions and millions of dollars and they just throw it at, right. you know, where yeah. throw That's, it against the wall. I feel like that is a more valuable um, way to utilize AI when it comes to like the election and like process rather than forecasting who's going to win because that's like the whole point of like, voting and the actual outcome is like what happens. Like no one can predict what's going to happen. Not even AI. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> but I do like the idea of like, yeah, where to put your like marketing and ad money when you're working in a campaign. I think that's super helpful. Yeah. Very enlightening. We'll see, um, you know, what ends up taking off, but like hopefully our listeners, like if anyone's like thinking of, you know, doing a startup and and maybe utilizing ai maybe this is helpful for them i hope so yeah and i think to me the um i hope what people take away from this segment is that ai has some really great use cases absolutely and there are going to be some areas where we try ai and we find out you know ai didn't really help with that mm -hmm. or like ai we shouldn't use ai for that mm -hmm. Some of those things we're not going to know until we try it. Exactly. Um, but yeah. some of those things, you know, we can use logic and reasoning to to say, yeah, we probably don't need AI there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think, I, you know, I hope, like you said, I hope this segment gave people some ideas, mm -hmm. um, especially people who are interested in AI. Or mm -hmm. if you're not, you know, maybe now you are. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So now I want to talk about... Um, Highlighting a company, so we, you know, we kind of talked about a company that just like wanted to put in all of this like new stuff and all this new change like right away, but then it, it you know, really deterred from their original like need, right? Earlier. 
Artifact. Art, yes. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Um, but now I kind of want to highlight a company where change was needed. And it happened. I mean, it took a, a while before it happened. but um, And it became really successful. So um, a couple weeks ago, or maybe just last week, a week and a half ago, probably, my social media news feed was blowing up with so much content around this pink Stanley Cup. Have you heard of the Stanley Cup? Me. I have heard of the Stanley yes. Cup. I got you a Stanley for Christmas. You sure did. And it is here in this video. If you are watching on YouTube, this is the beautiful Stanley that my awesome husband gave me. It's the 40-ouncer, rose gold. Yeah, I mean, that's almost enough water for your entire day. Um, yes, it is, which I love because I'm a very dehydrated person. But... So this is my first Stanley. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, you just popped my Stanley cherry. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but, you know, this craze has been going on for a couple of years now. It's, it's still, a, I'd say, a fairly new craze. But, um, yeah, there, there was this new Stanley that came out. Um, Stanley had partnered with Starbucks for a Stanley by Starbucks um, limited edition cup that was being sold at Target. And I just said like the three most basic white girl things that you could possibly ever like here, Stanley, Starbucks and um, Target. Very trendy, Mm. um, trending companies. I wouldn't know. (laughs) I I hit those places up a lot. (laughs) So, um, you know, this cup was like flying off the shelves and I was like, you know, we talk about trendsetters a lot. And I was like, we really need to highlight this, the Stanley company. And, and the more I kind of read about it, the more like interesting it was. And so kind of want to talk about, um, the Stanley company and how they started. Awesome. Okay. I I don't know much about Stanley. I know they've been around a long time. Oh, a long time. I had no idea. They, they started in 1913. Wow. They are like over a hundred years old. Yep. Yep. (laughs) carry the one. (laughs) Okay. So William Stanley is his name. He invented a steel vacuum sealed bottle in 1913. And in the century since his vacuum bottle evolved from concept to icon. And it's like an essential part of work days, road trips and outdoor adventures. The company historically targeted like workmen. It was the like drinking vessel for workmen and those participating in like outdoor activities like camping and hiking. Okay. And as recently as 2012, um, Stanley had mentioned that, it, you know, their tagline was that their products resonated with a 30 year career veteran policeman or a retired army soldier. So looking at my rose gold Stanley right here with a lipstick stain on the straw. <laughs> Can you see like a veteran policeman or an army soldier carrying one of these? No, I'm guessing something changed uh, about uh, the Stanley. Absolutely. So enter these three fabulous women, Lindley Hutchinson, Ashley Lassar, and Taylor Cannon. Did you say Lindley? I said Lindley. Yes, I did. Is that one name? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Chicken Lee. <laughs> <laughs> So these three women are the founders of The Buy Guide, which is an online shopping blog and Instagram account um, that started in 2017. So they were early lovers of the Stanley Quencher. So that's what this this that's what this viral Stanley is called. Stanley makes other like, you know, cups and products, but it's the Quencher that has gone viral. So the Quencher comes in various sizes. It comes in the 40 ounce and the 30 ounce style. Those are the two more popular ones. You gave me the 40 ounce because I'm dry as fuck and I need hydration. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't, when I bought it, I was like, that's pretty big. I hope this is the one that she wants because, I mean, it's enormous. For sure. It's larger than your, your, both of our monitors <laughs> like here. It's big, just, you know, for some perspective. But, okay. But what I love about it, and I saw this on like TikTok and like, you know, all the viral things is that you can, it actually, you, you can hold a whole can of High Noon in it, um, which is exactly what I'm drinking in it right now. Um, and I don't know, like if you've been watching our YouTube channel, every time I take a sip, I forget that there's a High Noon in here and my face is like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So anyway, that's, um, it, it's big enough for that. So 
Um, but it can, it is still um, slim enough on the bottom that it can fit into your cup holder. Um, the 40 and 30 ounce styles, you know, are priced between 35, 50, depending on like if it's a limited edition, it can go up to $75. It can keep your drinks hot for five to seven hours and cold for nine to 11 hours. And again, it fits in your cup holder, which is a huge draw for something, a vessel this size. Mm, Yeah. So that's why these three women loved it so much. Um, The buy guides following is 97.7% women with the highest demographic being women aged 35 to 44. So it was just their second Instagram post in 2017 featuring the 40-ounce tumbler with a simple caption that said, of all the insulated cups, this is the one, just trust. But because the quencher wasn't actually the priority of, you know, Stanley's marketing, they had it, but it, it wasn't something that they were, you know, producing in large amounts or anything like that. Um, it was becoming like harder to find in stock. And, you know, these women thought that maybe there was like a risk of it being discontinued just because like, you know, as it gained momentum and popularity, people started buying it and then it started like going out of stock and they're like, oh my gosh, they're going to discontinue it. So, um, they were telling their followers like, hurry, get your hands on any cup you can find. We heard that it's going away. Please reach out to Stanley. Tell them that you don't want it to go away. And we love this cup so much. And that was all that was needed to like really skyrocket the the selling of this cup. Stanley had never partnered with influencers or done any like affiliate marketing before. So yeah, um, that sounds like what happens uh, in Florida when there's a hurricane. <laughs> You know, like yeah. buy all the water. Yeah, it's the water, the toilet paper, yes, and the, the paper towels paper. or something. Like, yeah, I paper know. goods. It's like, you gotta go get it. <laughs> I know, I know. And then you can like never find it. You, so. You're gonna need, you're gonna need to go to Costco and get <laughs> 90 rolls, all the toilet paper. And then like, then after the hurricane passes, everyone's like, I have so much. Toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how long did I think I was gonna be in my house without? <laughs> like, how much toilet paper like, can you why go through? Did I need all this toilet paper. So Stanley started, you know, like getting people contacting them being like, don't get rid of this cup and all this. And they were like, well, it's not going anywhere. But, you know, if you want it, they had told, um, you know, these women that like just place a wholesale order with a minimum quantity of 10,000 cups and you can sell it, you know, like and, you know, we'll produce it, we'll give it and you can sell it. So it's a huge risk at first for, you know, the group and um, to do their first and only wholesale partnership with Stanley. Um, and they had, so they quickly like set up a website, they got a warehouse, they needed to like quickly figure out logistics for like shipping to consumers. And of those 10,000 cups, the first 5,000 sold out in about four days. And then the next 5,000 sold out in an hour. Wow. So it was huge. And so instead of like brushing off this sudden surge in sales, um, from like an unexpected audience, Stanley's Stanley was going through like a leadership transition change. Stanley's new global president, his name is Terrence Riley. He has a strong marketing background. He decided that they should just go all in on this new female audience. So the ladies at the buy guide met with Stanley's leadership at the outdoor re- retailers conference and really showed them what it would look like if women could market to women. So, you know, Stanley was a company that only produced occasional use items, right? Like just for camping trips or for tailgating. Um, So that's a huge shift in strategy for them. Absolutely. Like these three women were basically like, let's make this cup a daily use item where, you know, it would look good on people's homes and like change the colors to match people's like kitchens and their outfits and not just for like yeah. the great outdoors. I can imagine that that was met with, you know, some resistance. I mean, luckily, I guess they were going through that leadership transition yeah. that you were talking about because right. I mean, this was a company that had been around for over a hundred years. Yes. You know, they, were very set in their ways. I'm sure they had no, it was like, no, this is our target customer. Like that's a distraction, yeah. right? Like that could have been viewed as a distraction. Absolutely. Like, and a lot of brands do that. They like see this big surge and they're like, okay, well, you know, whatever, that's just like a blip in the radar, mm-hmm. but you know, never underestimate the power of women influence, especially on social media. And so they went with it 
they launched brand new colors that were like pastels and colorful like and they still have like the army and now actually the army green one is like a coveted color that people want because it's kind of like vintage (laughs) for them um they started doing collaborations with influencers and other you know popular brands like starbucks uh laney wilson has she's a you know famous country artist they they kind of you know glom on to collaborations with really trendy um celebrities and brands and then they also do like affiliate marketing um that opens up new audiences you know again like laney wilson it opened up to like the country music world um and like you know country fans um for the stanley and doing it with influencers really opened up their audience um to connect with consumers like more directly with the brand rather than just like the old school general marketing that they used to do so not only do they really like change their look and um you know focus on one of their products there's now this trend where like collecting Stanleys is becoming super trendy with like influencers showcasing their cabinets filled with like a myriad of like rainbow colored Stanleys. Oh my God. Um, don't get any ideas. We don't have, no, I mean, no, I actually, <laughs> have, this is so classic. I like this one. I know you like to collect cups and mugs and I things like, like that to. too. I'm just giving them. Okay. <laughs> Well, we're going to have to make some room if, if we're working on a collection. I'm, I'm not. Uh, famous last words. I'm not going to start <laughs> collecting Stanleys. But like th- the whole like thought of like people collecting things, experts say that since the pandemic, research around material culture has shown an uptick in people collecting things. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting because not... I mean, I think we're also in a um, in a stage where people are trying to get rid of a lot of their personal possessions yeah, and uh, especially younger folks, um, you know, they're, they're prioritizing travel, you know, being able to move around more oh, easily true. and not owning a lot of things. Yeah. Um, right. You know, there was that book uh, that was really popular yeah. several years ago about like joy bringing, yeah. you know, get rid of anything that doesn't bring you joy. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think there's a clash there, but that's interesting to, to, to know that people are sort of, sort of starting to collect things again. Uh, yeah. I mean, cards, baseball cards are on the up oh, swing too. Yeah. It's really? very, since COVID, um, yes. collecting that sort of stuff has become more popular again. Well, that's what they're saying. It really did start with COVID and maybe there's going to be a turn where like minimalism, like, mm-hmm. you know, really is coming back. But um, because people were in isolation, they found that um, they were like discovering small joys that they found in their day to day because they were just like, you know, stranded at home and they can order, you know, things and start collecting them. The need to collect coupled with the rise of hydration, health and wellness, like coming out of the pandemic, you know, is the perfect equation for collecting Stanleys and the success with releasing these limited edition Stanleys. So what they're finding is that a brand or a product that will really resonate with consumers is when they have the perfect combination of addressing the technical, functional, and emotional needs of the consumer. And apparently that's exactly what Stanley does. You know, they are functional in terms of they can give you all the hydration you need yet still fit in your cup holder. Um, You know, They're technical. They can keep it cold right they've got they're made out of the right material what's the emotional component here because influencers are the one pushing it people have more of an emotional connection with influencers with other people telling them like it's more relatable rather than walking and seeing a poster of like a beautiful model that you don't really know because you don't follow them from day to day telling you to buy like this these jeans or this cup but when you actually see somebody, you know their name, you're following them on Instagram or TikTok, and they're like, listen, I just tested out all of these cups, and this is the cup for you. You, you have this emotional connection with this person, and you kind of trust them. So that's, that's what they did. And now they like, have all these wait lists of thousands of women, um, and, they so, and they sell out for every new launch that they do. And that's why this last craze, the Stanley by Starbucks, sold at Target and being pink it was it was huge 
Um, so what, you know, they capitalize on the tactic around drops, um, kind of like a scene in like the sneaker culture when like a new design drops. Um, yeah. For the lot, sneaker heads. Yeah. And that's the other thing. With, Stanley heads. With, <laughs> Are there Stanley? This is, oh. Sure. Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> Hashtag Stanley heads. Um, but that is a, a thing also when it comes to the culture of collectors is that people collect things with the idea that someday it'll be nostalgic. Like I'm going to look at the color rose gold someday and be like, oh, like that brings back like this nostalgia in me or this, you know, these big Stanleys were like super nostalgic. They also, you know, capitalize on the promotional strategy around the FOMO culture. If you don't, you know, if you're not one of the ones that has the pink Stanley, you're missing out. I don't think I'm missing out. But like I know that like collectors do when they don't have something. Yeah, for sure. And then um, partnering with, uh, like I said, partnering with other really trendy brands like Target and Starbucks for their special edition drops is is another tactic that they used. So by the end of 2023, Stanley had seen a 275% year-over-year increase in the quencher sales and has become the number one drinkware brand in North America. They're projected to hit $750 million in sales. So talk about a success story of, of a, you know, a, a brand of drinkware. Sometimes you can have a winning product in your back pocket. You just need to get in front of the right audience. And it's awesome that, you know, Stanley, like an over a hundred year old, like brand that's rooted in American history. There's now going to be multiple generations that have created this emotional connection to the brand. So, you know, grandfathers that have gone fishing, you know, taking their Stanleys with them um, or, you know, job sites with Stanleys to people in the 21st century, um, you know, and connecting with today's consumer. So Stanley continues to be a consumer first company and ensures that customer demand, feedback and insights are what's driving the products and the brand um, that the brand brings to the market. So I also kind of wanted to talk about how powerful TikTok is for buying decisions You know, we kind of talked about how influencers now are creating this emotional trust with their followers, and that's huge in marketing and um, and and in sales with brands. So, um, you know, when you think about trends, like when we were in high school, let's say, it's it's a slower acquisition of a trend being picked up. So, like maybe on the first day of school you see like somebody wearing like, you know, the, a Hollister like sweatshirt or something. Mm -hmm. And it's not really until like people go to the mall and like see that sweatshirt, like, you know, on the mannequin. And then maybe until like the end of the school year where then everyone starts wearing that Hollister sweatshirt. Um, you know, marketing relied more on images and posters and storefront signage then, but because of TikTok and like the instantaneous delivery from Amazon, yeah, virality happens like almost overnight with trends. So one of the things that um, one of the women in the buy guide was saying that it's really smart for like any brand to market to 25 to 50 year old women. Like if you are a company that is not focusing your marketing on 25 to 50 year old women, you're really missing the mark because even if you're like a men's clothing company or like a tech company, you know, some, yeah, there's a lot of spending power there. Absolutely. They are the buyers of this economy. They're the ones buying for themselves. They're the ones buying for their husbands. They're the ones buying the gifts that their husbands are giving to other people, most likely. Um, <laughs> Maybe even themselves. Yeah, and they buy... Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I'm so surprised you gave me this, Stanley. Um, and and they're also buying for their own businesses, too, because you know most women are, are business owners as well. So um, they are the people that you want to connect with. And when you can get an influencer or a content creator to collaborate with your brand... Women also trust women more. It's not like a man mansplaining why a cup is great for a woman. They hear it from, you know, their own peers. And so it's it's really a great target audience and a great marketing strategy. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I, we can't end this segment without 
me mentioning this question or asking this question. So we're going to find out if this is a fad mm-hmm. or if this is, you know, a like like there's a fine line, right? Or I mean, maybe there's not, right. but like there's you have your fads mm-hmm. and then you have like you said, you, you called it a trend. Yeah. But if it is a trend, that means that the trend will end sometime. Right. Right. Um, we will see if Stanley is able to maintain, what did you say, $750 million in mm-hmm. revenue? Yeah. I mean, maintain or grow that revenue for the long term, right. right? Like there's not a lot of, there's not any defensibility here outside of, you know, the brand, which mm-hmm. is brands are powerful, right. um, but there's nothing stopping another company from, you know, designing a nicer looking, also functional, also emotionally right. connected um, product True. that does this sort of thing and takes away a lot of their market share. And, and you know, maybe Stanley becomes last year's trend, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. not that they'll go away, but like, you know, maybe they'll drastically shrink in, in revenue at some point. Yeah. Um, and that's, but I mean, that's what, that's what happens with consumer goods right. sometimes. Like, and they, and they go through cycles too, Absolutely. right? Just like fashion. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see where, where this goes. Uh, I think, you know, partnering with influencers, partnering with Starbucks, doing these sort of limited edition things. I think it helps it to last longer. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like you compared it to sneakerheads. I have a hard time seeing Stanley becoming the same type of like they're they're becoming this same sort of like secondary market for Stanleys as there is for like sneakers mm. um that that lasts as long as the like the sneaker craze has right. um you know that is a huge business yeah um and it's lasted for decades uh and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger um we'll see i don't know <laughs> i i i think the drinkware craze will last longer than specifically the quencher trend or craze. And I think because Stanley is a smart company that continues to work off of customer feedback, that they're going to be continually create things that are going to stay on trend, whether it's still a quencher or not. Mm. I think we're going to hear the name Stanley for a while, this is my prediction, because they're going to either market like something else that's going to be a Stanley that's the next best thing. I agree with you, though. There's all, already a lot of like imitation Stanleys out there that are more leak proof or, you know, more um, lighter in weight or easier to clean, you know, this, mm-hmm. that and the other thing. There's always going to be something wrong with a product. But because Stanley listens to their audience um, and they have such a brand following, I think Stanley as a company is going to be really great unless, you know, a scandal breaks out or something. We hear of something. But even just like the starting story of Stanley is something that a lot of people I feel like can connect to. The fact that their grandfather might have owned a Stanley or, you know, their veteran uncle has a Stanley. I think it's something that connects multiple generations. And that's what makes this company great. Last time I checked, I'm still high, real high. All right, so talking about influencers, content creators, and how they can really just like boost the market for any brand, it was kind of just like this open, like, <laughs> I can pick any like content creator that will fit in with our Hot Mom of the Week. So um, I'm going to highlight one of my favorite ones that I've been following for a while. Her name is Katie Beach. Her handle is the Katie Beach on all social media platforms. And she is just your typical lifestyle content creator. What, you know, caught my attention um, to her and what made me start following her was she had some funny posts. Uh, the, the one that I remember um, was she talks about um, the millennial dance face. What's that? So apparently when if you're a millennial woman and you're like really like vibing in the club, you make this like one frowny face, like, (laughs) I don't don't even (laughs) know. Like you just like get really into it. And then you make this like millennial, like frowny face, like when you're, when you're dancing. So I was like, Oh, totally me. I hit, um, follow. And earlier on when I was following her, her bio just said like, I'm in my hot mom era, but now 
she became a little bit more real. And her bio says toddler mom, pregnant and thriving ish. <laughs> oh, that's funny. On Instagram, it says she's 16 weeks. So she's she's 16 weeks pregnant. So she's like keeping up with this week to week. Yeah. Uh, that's oh. got, that's, uh, she got, must set like a calendar reminder or something. Yeah. 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 So and, and yeah, she um, she does like post a lot about just like at her everyday things that like she goes through. But she also um promotes a lot of brands so she has linked you know the her amazon page um her ltk shop do you know what that is i do not oh so there i know about it because there used to just be an instagram account called ltk like like to know it's called yeah like to know it and if they you know show a model with like clothes on or whatever and you like the post (laughs) (laughs) Or a model without clothes. Yes. <laughs> okay. But if yeah, if they show like, you know, an outfit or something and you like the post, it'll um send you links on where to buy that. And so it was called Like to Know. And so now everyone just kind of has an LTK shop. It's become um an app for discovering products styled by your favorite influencers now. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, that sounds cool. It's not my uh yeah. thing. I'm not in the demographic for it, but right. I that there are millions of people who are absolutely yeah and um and also influencers now have an amazon page i don't know if you know that but like all the things that they promote or do you can click on their amazon link and they have like amazon lists curated for you know like either household items or you know white elephant gifts under 15 dollars and some of them yeah and some use them for wish lists too right Mm -hmm. like their fans or followers can buy for them absolutely yep Absolutely. I was just going to say she has um, she has a baby registry list. Um, I don't know if it's her actual baby registry list or if it is a suggested one because she's pregnant and, you know, women trust other women. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if she registers for it, most likely other people will want to buy it or or register for it as well. So, you know, she has the branding partnership tactic that we've kind of talked about so um that's kind of why i wanted to highlight her cool yeah so follow her on katie beach yep (laughs) (laughs) sorry no that's okay usually usually i'll say what her handle is but why don't you go ahead (laughs) follow her on all social media platforms right tony yeah the the katie beach on all social media platforms Well, that's all we've got today. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the subscribe button. And reach out on social media. Dot coms. And hot moms. Signing off.